0: We're farming for the future this week. No tractors being driven and nobody at all entered our hectare of crop for the whole growing season.
1: And it's not all about new technology. It's it's people that are already involved in the industry. We're also telling people or young people uh, what goes on in the industry to make the industry sexy and we want young people to come in.
2: On the programme today we've plenty more from Tuesday's Lincolnshire Farming Conference. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. That conference in a moment, but we can't really start without mentioning the weather, can we? We've uh, been talking on the programme over the past couple of weeks about the moving jet stream and the weather system that was forming, but uh, it's fair to say the sheer amount of snow still caught everyone by surprise. Of course, lambing is underway. It's the uh, closing weeks also of the beat campaign. At Berry, they just finished the campaign in time, but at Newark, there's another three weeks to go. Uh, what was great to see, though, and also here was uh, the number of farmers uh, doing, well, what farmers do, really, helping tow-stranded drivers, digging out rural roads, helping uh, where they can, and, of course, still getting on with the day job as well. Angela Kirkwood is a pig farmer near Withensee. She was facing quite a few issues when the snow fell.
3: This week, we've uh, been tackling lots of, Frozen pipes and um, water fittings bursting, and we've been trying to lag up all of the water pipes that are outside to try and stop them from freezing. And um, and yeah, everything everything's just generally bitterly cold. Obviously, for animal welfare, it's really important that our animals have water and food at all times. Um, the the welfare of our animals is our priority and um And so you have to keep those pipes flowing and the feed coming onto farm, so that um, uh, for the welfare of the animals there 's other people, especially up in Driftfield, that are struggling to get uh, feed wagons onto their farms and struggling to get animals away as well and it 's the same as um the dairy farmers having to get their their milk off the farm and there's there 's no such thing as a snow day for a farmer. Um, it just makes our lives a little bit harder. It's getting feed on and off, it's getting animals on and off, and um, uh, and staff. You've got to make sure that your staff are getting into work and get can get home from work safely. So I know there's been a lot of farmers out with their forklifts and, and clearing the roads, which is, is helping the local com- rural communities as well. Um, I know it it just doubles the workload when the weather gets bad and um, uh, yesterday we had some trees down which uh, cut all of the electric off Um, so we've been having to clear trees from the roads and and, um, luckily we have a generator here so that gets the electric uh, up and running fairly quickly but I know there's been others in the area that haven't had electric for a for a number of hours,
2: That's uh, pig farmer Angela Kirkwood. What about lambing? As I mentioned, lambing underway. Mark Leggett farms near Boston.
4: Most
3: flocks are housed at this time
4: of the year. Uh, I, I don't think there's many people leave their sheep outside at this time of year when they're lambing. So I actually, um, it's not quite the problem that it might be. Uh, obviously, hypothermia is the biggest killer of lambs in the, in the early de- stages. Uh, so they need to be kept warm. The only problem is if it comes a long, sharp, attracted frosty spell, then uh, the water pipes freeze up, and the shepherds uh, have got to go around and, and defrost all the water troughs all the, uh, most of the day, which is a, a, quite a, an arduous chore.
2: Yeah, especially in this weather. So you know, does it mean you know it's extra work for the shepherds? Uh, so it means it's extra on work for most
4: people with livestock, actually, uh, cattle or sheep. Um, Just making sure that the the water troughs haven't frozen up in the night uh, and that uh, they're warm enough. Um, But but most intensive poultry, such as pigs uh, and chickens, are all housed in temperature-controlled sheds. So um, it's really mainly the, the, the bovines and the sheep that are the problem.
2: Farmer Mark Leggett there speaking with our own Matt Soans. It must have been difficult for our uh, agronomists as well, out of
5: course whatever the conditions. How's it been, Sean? I took eight inches of snow at home, and a foot of snow gives you an inch of rain, so it doesn't take a genius to work out. It's going to be incredibly wet... Uh, once this snow finally goes. And uh, dumping another 15, 18 mils of water on top of what is already saturated waterlogged land um, means it's going to be a complicated spring, not least for the winter wheat, the winter barley, the winter rape, which is all out there in the field and has jobs needing to be done. So there'll be Atlantis and Monolith and Pacifica needed on the winter wheat to control the blackgrass and the browns, and there'll be herbicides and fungicides to go on the oilseed rape as well as nitrogen and sulfur applications to go on oilseed rape and remember it takes three or four weeks for the sulfur to get into the plant via the roots, and that needs to be in the plant for when it hits stem extension which will happen somewhere around about the first week of april so all we can hope is that with march coming in like a lion it should go out like a lamb and that the next three weeks of this month three or four weeks are going to be far more conducive to spring work because we've got all those spring crops to drill as well it's going to be an untidy complicated difficult and stressful spring but then again aren't they all but don't just assume that Um, because you've had 8 inches of snow on the crop it's made any difference to anything underneath so it may have been cool enough at minus 7, minus 8 to kill some aphids which have been out in the field that's a bonus but it certainly hasn't been cold enough particularly underneath snow which will have insulated that crop at ground level it will have only been freezing or maybe even just above freezing whereas we've been experiencing minus 12, minus 13 from a wind chill the crop's been protected from that so all of the diseases, the pests the weeds, all of that that was already in the crop when the snow came will still be there once the snow's gone. The only difference is going to be it's going to be an awful lot wetter for travelling. So prioritise the nitrogen and sulphur on the oilseed rate. Don't put it onto a snow-covered crop and make sure you've done the calculation with your green area index to make sure you're putting the right amount of nitrogen on based upon the canopy in the oilseed rate. As far as the crops that are out there in the field, obviously oilseed rape, winter wheat, winter barley, winter beans, winter linseed and all the other winter crops everybody's looks as good as one another's because they're all covered in snow and we can't see anything. So there's no change on last week. Just assume it'll be wetter, but exactly the same once the snow's gone. Um, While I'm talking about the snow, it's worth saying a big shout-out and a thank-you to the the blokes who drive the gritters and the snowploughs for working in conditions you wouldn't wish upon your worst enemy. They've done a sterling job in the face of adversity with Mother Nature bearing the bulk of any criticism that should come and not those fellas on the snowplough. Also, the farmers in the county, once again, coming up trumps and clearing all the back roads between villages where the gritters and the snowplows never travel, with their JCBs and their tractors and their, their forklifts bucketing the snow off to keep the smaller villages in contact with the outside world and also spending most of the day on Thursday pulling out and rescuing stranded motorists for no other reason than they have the equipment and they're able to help. That's all it's about. So next time you're sat behind a tractor in the summer tutting because it's only doing 25 miles an hour, just think back to the end of February 2018 where if it wasn't for the farmers out there with their tractors helping pull motorists out of snowdrifts, the roads would probably still be littered with abandoned and crashed cars so thank you Um, and also spare a thought for the poor old hauliers because we've had a couple of days of snow and you get people like Craven Transport Pete and uh, Tom sat in that office up there organising lorries, you get a couple of days of snow where lorries are at a standstill, all of a sudden you've got to fit in say 200 trips to the sugar beet factory into what you've already planned to do. So everything concertina's up in the haulage trade and remember if it wasn't for lorries there wouldn't be anything moved on or off farm, there wouldn't be anything in the shops for us to go and buy. So the blokes driving those lorries are doing so in some extraordinary bad conditions and They're keeping us moving and they're keeping farms moving as well. So thanks ever so much to all the hauliers out there who are putting themselves in the way of harm just to keep the whole country ticking over. Also, um, while there is snow on the ground and you can't do anything, go to my Twitter feed, at SAS Agronomy. There is a consultation on agriculture by the government, which is where you can have your say on how we shape the future of the rules going forward once we're out of the EU. And there will be absolutely no point moaning and complaining that you don't like the rules and you you disagree with them if you haven't even made the effort to make your views known. So go on there. Pick up that link, consultation on agriculture if you want to Google it, and make your views known. Also, this week we saw that neonicotinoids are back in the headlines again. Some of the the work that's coming out from the European Food Standards Authority shows there may be more of a link with, with bees. We need to look closely at that work and understand the whole picture and make sure that we're trying to look to the future to control the varroa mite, climate change, do everything we possibly can to protect bees, because it's not just about agriculture, because we play a tiny little part in the future of bees in general. We're giving a lot of pollen out there in the crops that we grow, and we want to protect them. Anything that's decided, we will abide by, but we need to know that the right decisions are being made for the right reasons.
2: Thank you, Sean. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Now, I'll be honest with you, I did on Tuesday get some flashbacks of uh, day two at Lammer, with the Lincolnshire Farming Conference due on the day the heaviest snowfall was forecast to hit. It did snow, but not as heavy as planned on Tuesday. That arrived a day later, thankfully, for the conference organisers. So uh, the conference did go ahead. And uh, at the event, technology was very much the focus, looking at the future direction of farming. Among the discussion, the hands-free hectare. What's that? Well, Kit Franklin is from Harper Adams. Okay, so the hands-free hectare is a a
0: project where we set ourselves the challenge of growing a a hectare of spring barley uh, without ever uh, setting foot in the field. Uh, So, no tractors being driven and also no agronomists going into the field to look at the crop and uh, and uh, decide what chemicals etc were needed so nobody at all entered our hectare of crop for the whole growing season and how did it turn out uh yeah well it worked um (laughs) (laughs) that's good it uh yeah so it was it was it was a it was a feasibility study to see if it was technically possible we've certainly showed that Uh, we have a robotic tractor we have a robotic uh scouting robot and we have a robotic combine harvester uh that all Went out into the field and obviously did various jobs from drilling the crop to rolling, uh, spraying chemicals and fertilizer, and then harvesting with the combine. Uh, and we also used drones to do uh, aerial imagery and analysis of the field. So, that, that would so, yeah, technically we showed we could do it. Uh, the yield we got was a bit lower than uh, what you commercially might expect, um, so there are uh, challenges. Uh, to face to uh, get to a, a more commercial yield i think uh the thing we say a lot is that it, uh, it it posed more questions than maybe it answered um but that's what research is all about um so we now know where we need to look and where we need to improve going forwards were you su-
2: was you surprised by it the, the fact you, that you could manage to do it or I guess going into it you, you were fairly confident anyway?
0: Yeah so me and my team were very confident we, we could do what we were setting out to do I've got a uh, uh, Jonathan Gill is a roboticist and drone pilot and uh, he, it's essentially the technology he developed that's the backbone of what we do and uh, I believed in him and he thinks, thought he could do it so internally we were very confident externally I think there was an awful lot of doubters that thought we could do it on the the, the size of the team we had and the budget etc uh but uh, no it was good to um prove them not not necessarily prove you were wrong but show you know open the world open the world's eyes to, to automation in in field
2: is this the future of farming
0: yeah without a doubt there's no there's no there's no way uh you cannot see a situation where autonomy takes over in the field i'm not trying to put people out of jobs i'm not trying to get rid of farmers being farmers we always need a human in the loop but if you look at the electronics that have been added to a tractor in the last 30 years in the 80s there was barely any electrics on the tractor at all other than a starter motor now you'll have three or four computers in the cab GPS driving in straight lines you know none of that was foreseen and if you just keep that cycle going forwards, inevitably you end up with a situation where you can take the operator out of the seat and and use them uh to, for, for more uh intellectually demanding things than driving in straight lines we can you know there's there's lots to do as a farmer there's markets to watch there's uh you know crops to look after um, you know business decisions, agronomic decisions and 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 frankly uh you know driving. Uh, is is not the most demanding or most profitable
2: use of your time. True, true. You said more questions than answers. I guess the next stage is to get some answers to those questions, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're we're going again. So last year we grew a spring barley crop. This year we're on uh, winter wheat. Um, We've uh, found that, obviously, we were were fairly limited on our agronomy ability by what sensors we had access to. So this year we've got... um, extra sensors going into the field we have spore trap to monitor septoria which is a a disease in wheat um we have a weather station so we can keep an eye on what the weather's doing and that can influence our decisions as well um yeah so that sort of thing uh in terms of fundamentally how the tractor drove last year the tractor was uh wasn't Particularly straight driving it, it, it waved around a bit in its rows so we've improved that we've 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 improved the technology so now the tractor drives straighter so we've got greater field coverage more crop growing should lead to more yield um, so yeah uh, there's all those things I mean there's there's wider wider questions so at the moment we drive the tractor to the field we get off the tractor we put it into robotic mode and we shut the gate and walk away uh, so obviously to go to an autonomous future you're going to want that tractor to get itself to the field and uh, unfold the sprayer by itself and those things that at the moment we still do before we leave the field and let it get on with it so there are
2: lots of things to be done kit franklin there from harper adams on the hands-free hectare you'll find out how i got on as a tractor driver in a moment. Uh, first, the latest from uh, Openfield. He came in on Friday. Chris Spratt is here. Hello,
6: Chris. Morning, Sean. Morning. Morning. You Morning. look very well wrapped up. Uh, yeah, well, you have to be. You have to be. <laughs> it's very, very cool out there, isn't it? I don't know about escaping the snow. It's, it's difficult in agriculture to actually escape the snow, really. I know. You think. can't, can you, really? Well, you know, a lot of farmers have been helping pull vehicles out, cleaning, yeah. cleaning snow wherever they can, and helping stranded motorists, and, of course, you know, livestock farmers for them as well. You know, it's a difficult time of year. Uh, Grain-wise, well, uh, I suppose the issue for us this week has been logistics you know, uh, I think at the start of the week we'd planned to move over 80,000 tonnes this week and um been very difficult for hauliers to make deliveries you know, get from A to B and growers trying to load vehicles as well and there's been several fleets, especially on the Lincolnshire Wolds, um, really just stood down. Really, at the end of the day, it's been impossible to move. So, I'm not quite sure what percentage uh, we'll have delivered by the end of the week. Uh, I think the open field fleet management team have done a fantastic job. I wouldn't want uh, to have been doing their job this week, but uh, uh, I'm sure it's not going to be anywhere near our normal delivery performance, and neither is anybody else's, I'm afraid. Um, nevertheless, market wise, uh, well. Uh, dry conditions persist in the US, and more of the same actually for the next two weeks. So we've seen a slightly weaker sterling against the dollar and euro and that's pushed uh, London futures at one stage this week to a, to a three-month high which is, which has is got to be good news. Uh, as far as uh, milling wheat premiums concerned, well they are coming under a bit of pressure now and uh, uh, really it, it's a matter of trying to find the buyer uh, unless you're looking at the very forward markets all seed rate, though, that's proved a little bit more interesting. Market gradually inching its way uh, upwards. Uh, that hike has been really underpinned by downgrades to the Argentinian soya crop, uh, which now could be as low as 40 million tonnes compared to last season's 54 million tonnes. Due to the dry weather, and the Brazilian crop, well, that's uh, slightly high, about three million tonnes more than last year. But uh, so that will partly offset some of that shortfall. But certainly, they've had uh, some uh, some uh, challenging harvest uh, conditions. Uh, as as far as May beans in the states are concerned, well, that's now at contract highs interestingly to balance that out the French matif all rape futures which is what our UK all-seed rape market bounces off a lot of the time well they are a long way below where they were earlier on in the season, reflecting I think both the stronger euro and uh, better of availability of all-seed rape around the world effectively. As far as domestically concerned, the UK crushers, well they got little cover going forward and prefer to continue with their season-long policy of buying just in time and, and, and hand-to-mouth. We're not quite at £300 in all, uh, in all areas yet, but in some areas that should be achievable, I would have thought, um, and I think that will be a, a seller's target price for at least some of the remaining crop. But in the short term, dry in Argentina, in, raining in Brazil for their soya harvest. Uh, although that's uh, unlikely to affect their crop size, domestically farmers are selling uh, bits and bobs cautiously. In local currency terms, as far as rapes co- uh, oil seeds are concerned, prices around the world have diverged, really. Argentinian farmer, well, he's getting about 35% more for his soybeans than he was a year ago in pesos. Brazilian farmer, about 5% more. Uh, and EU farmers, about 15% for less, uh, less for their oilseed rape in euros. And I think what we're really seeing is apprehensiveness about the dry U.S. weather generally. That's affecting wheat, but also, uh, although it's not a concern at the moment, we'll be carefully watched for the soybean plantings, which will start towards the end of May through to April. And and really, uh, you know, what soil moisture will be there, whether that will delay planting or possibly cause uh, some abandonment. As far as prices are concerned, feed wheat for March 142 to 146, with May 143 to 147, and harvest feed wheat 138 to 142, with November 18 141 to 145. As I've said, milling wheat premiums under pressure, partly due to the fact that you really can't get a great deal of uh, new new buying demand. Uh, If you looked at June at the moment, that would be worth somewhere in the region of 153 to 155. Feed barley one hundred and thirty four to one hundred and thirty six for March with may one hundred and thirty five to one hundred and thirty eight and then harvest one hundred and twenty one feed beans uh, marginally better I would say one hundred and fifty to one hundred and fifty three which is you know probably uh, a pound or two better than it's been recently with the human consumption premiums for the absolute best one hundred and seventy also rape well in the region of two hundred and ninety five but very much dependent on your relationship to where the crush plant is and with harvest at 290 to 293. And finally, November 18, all seed rate 295 to 298.
2: Thank you, Chris. Get back out in the snow. Go on. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Sean. Out with a sledge.
6: A sledging Chris
2: Spratt from uh, Open Field. Now, Chris was at the conference on Tuesday, along with Rebecca and Kit. The theme, as we heard earlier, was farming for the future. I chatted about some of the technology earlier, but of course we need people too. Steve Ward is chairman of the Education Committee at the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society. Yeah, absolutely. It's,
1: it's, It's people that are already involved in the industry, but it's also telling people, or young people, uh cool. Uh, what goes on in the industry to make the industry sexy and we want young people to come in. You've seen today all this technology. We need young, intelligent people to come into the industry to be able to use it. Yeah, they're going to use it better than uh, us old hands, really, aren't they? I think so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I could just about work the channel changer on the TV, but not much else. So what, tell us about some of the exciting you know, plans, what, what is actually happening here at the show, Grantland. Right yeah, so you'll be familiar with the, sort of the school's challenge that we run at the show, but now uh, for the first time we're having an agri-career event which is ne- coming up next week um, here on the showground where I think we've got about 300 school children and about 30 different companies involved with showing thing children what goes on on, sc- on, on, on farm. Um, we've also had farmhouse breakfast week in January, which we uh, we've now got ourselves in a bit of a muddle because we've got a waiting list of 25 schools that want to come and have breakfast here on the showground wow. with us, which is fantastic. That's our challenge to get that sorted. Um, our impact group, which is the under 35s group, have got a have got an event here this evening, a bit of a reception, but that we've now got that up to about 200 people, and there's a programme of events going on throughout the and throughout the season that they can get involved with. I
2: mean, that's really good. Obviously, I came along to the launch. of That at at Uncle Henry's, and and, you know, it was a small handful there who were, you know, really passionate and said this could go places. And now, look at the size of it that's amazing! Absolutely, I went to the House of Commons uh, in, in the
1: autumn and met with a local MP, and they, they had a thoroughly enjoyable time. They've been to Branston Potatoes as well uh, recently, so, yeah, they've had been well looked after
2: throughout the county. And it is important, isn't it? I mean, that the, the aims was obviously harnessing that, that age group who maybe a little bit too old for young farmers, but are still young themselves, and it is harnessing people like that and getting into the schools, getting across that age range is really important,
1: isn't it, for the industry? Yeah absolutely, Um, You know, we've got to start off at primary school level. This afternoon Jason O'Rourke from Washingborough Academy is going to be talking about what he does to to get primary school children hooked on food, healthy eating, uh, where their food comes from and if we can start to break down some of those barriers it sort of starts to tick all the boxes where they understand a a little bit more about farming, when they go shopping with their parents they're starting to look for UK product and you know going forward post-Brexit we
2: need people to pick up British, British food to help support the British farming community. Steve Ward there. Bishop Burton had their tractor simulator on show... ...and I gave it a go to see whether I could drive a tractor... ...without taking out a barn or two. How did I do... Uh, David Drury will tell you in a moment. First, a little bit about the simulator itself. Well, the
1: simulator is a £40,000 piece of kit that we use to teach students the basics of tractor driving. Um, they, it simulates the, the, the cab of a tractor and um, gives them the, kind of the skills to be able to um, move into an actual tractor um, once
2: they've learnt the basics in there. And it's, it's vital, um, crucial almost for health and safety nowadays, isn't it? Rather than driving a proper tractor and maybe having an accident to at least make your mistakes on this first.
1: Yeah, absolutely. On the simulator, you can crash into barriers, you can take out um, buildings, um, telephone poles. So it really makes the students aware of the surroundings and gives them a kind of that, the,
2: that the 360 view that you need to have when you're driving a tractor. Foolishly, you forty thousand pounds worth of gear. You let me sit in the seat. How did I do? You did really surprisingly well. I think
1: you <laughs> wasted in radio. Actually, um, you only knocked a few of the barrels over. So um, I think there's a there's a future in farming for you if you're lucky.
2: <laughs> David Drury telling me that I'm wasted on the radio. He's not the first to intimate I should find another job. The boss tells me that most weeks. So anyway, uh, that beast from the east did hit, along with the storm Emma at the latter end of the week as well. What has the coming week? got in store for us though the farming program five-day forecast warming up after the week we've just been through temperatures today peaking at six celsius mostly thanks to the wind blowing from the south southeast 10 to 15 miles an hour. A few showers through the day as well, quite misty in places. Overnight tonight, temperatures again down to around freezing point. The wind continuing from the south, though, at about 15 miles an hour. A sunny start to Monday, maybe a shower in the middle of the day. Temperatures, though, at 8, 9 Celsius in places. The wind from the southwest, again at 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then overnight, Monday into Tuesday, we'll see that wind continuing from the southwest about 5 miles an hour. We could see temperatures down to freezing point once again first thing on Tuesday, though. Through the day, cloud increasing again, temperatures about 8 Celsius, the wind from the south-southwest at 10 miles an hour. And then Tuesday into Wednesday, a little warmer overnight, 3 the low, the wind blowing back from the northeast at about 3 miles an hour. Through Wednesday, cloudy at first, but some sunshine to come later, 8 the high, the wind more from the east at about 6 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week, possibility of some rain in places temperatures generally around freezing points overnight. Highs during the day of 7 or 8 Celsius and that wind uh, blowing more from the the southwest as we reach the uh, latter end of the week. And that's the forecast. No more snow, me thinks. Famous last words. As ever, those uh, hourly forecasts are crucial. Next week, more new technology as we discuss the use of drones on your farm. Do you know the rules for using them though? We'll explore that in more detail next week. Until then. Have a good week's farming.